Good day and welcome to another episode of the International News Desk. Whether you're tuning in on snl24.com forward slash Sokoladuma, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Play. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Roberts. But of course, Kurt, the dirt, Bakkerfield joins me. How are you, my friend? Shawnee, I'm doing good. How are you? I am world-class, my boy. World-class. We'll get to your team just now. Um, we don't have to. Which is, which is always a, a great topic of uh, conversation. Um, but I think let's just start with, you know, we've spoken about the VAR numerous times. It's now headlines around the world. Kurti, uh, you know, Arteta, I'm going to re- just quote, unquote, Arteta is usually relaxing to discuss controversial decisions after games with the Arsenal boss being fined in the past for comments. However, this press conference did not follow the trend. Quote, unquote, again, we have to talk about the result because you have to talk about how the hell this goal stands up and it's incredible. I feel embarrassed, but I have to be the one now coming here to try to defend the club and please ask for help because it is an absolute disgrace that this goal is allowed. It's an absolute disgrace. Kurti, jump in. It is a disgrace. So, so is that what you think? Because I actually, I actually don't know if that goal should have been disallowed. I, I think, I, I, I think, okay. So, I think the bigger conversation here is, is the inconsistency of VAR. Yes, fair right. enough. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you talk me through the goal. So, obviously, I think it's Jacob Murphy who has a shot. The ball goes sort of towards the corner flag. Um, from the angle that they have on TV, which is the only angle where they actually show the ball potentially going over the line, it doesn't mm. look to me like the ball has crossed the line entirely. So I don't mm. think that there's any conclusive evidence there to suggest that the ball was out. Now, I do think that the Premier League, being the biggest and best league in the world, should have cameras that can actually yeah. make that very clear. But yeah. on this occasion, they didn't. And I don't think that that ball had crossed the line fully. And we've seen examples of this uh, online where I think it was Japan against Spain at the World Cup where a very similar thing happened where it looked like the ball was out from one angle, but from an overhead view, um, there's clearly ball sort of crossing the line ever so slightly or on the line ever so slightly, meaning that the ball is still in play. The entire ball has to be over the line. Then he he puts the ball into the middle. Um, Jolington challenges Gabriel. For me Mm. personally, what it looks like from a side-on angle is that Gabriel has launched himself. And I think he, he's mistimed that jump because he thinks that Raya is potentially getting a hand on that ball. So I think he's put off by his own goalkeeper, which can happen. You, you Like often if a, a strike is in the box waiting for a delivery, um, they will mistime a, a header because they think the defender in front of them is getting to it. Obviously, strikers are taught to anticipate and to, to be there regardless. But I think that that's what has happened in the situation. I don't think that Joe Linton actually pushed him now, his arms are on his back. At, when you look at a still image, it looks very bad. It looks like he's pushing him in the back. But yeah. that jump happens before the push. Yeah, sure. He has launched himself. So for me, I don't think that there was enough there. And I think that we should remember football is a contact sport. Um, yeah. I, I think if they were going to you know, uh, look at um, every single physical challenge, whether it's in the box or outside the box, then we're going to lose what... Football is. I think yeah. we I think we're already there. By the way, yeah, um, absolutely. But I, agree I don't think that that was um, a clear and obvious error, and I think that the goal should have stood. Now, I have mm. a major problem with what Arteta did, right? Yeah. Because 
He called it humiliating and embarrassing, etc., yeah. etc. He used some pretty hectic words. Very hectic words. Yeah. In a, and then, by the way, Arsenal back his comments up in a statement the next day, which is a very, very serious situation. They yes. essentially are questioning the integrity of the sport. Now, I think that that is a really bad look because would Arsenal yeah. have done that if that same goal had been scored for them, right? Absolutely yeah. not. Would they have released that statement or would Arteta come out and say that he's embarrassed and humiliated by the standards of refereeing in the Premier League if that was in a game that didn't involve Arsenal at all? No, mm -hmm. he's done that after a defeat, which is obviously very convenient. Is he going to feel that mad? And is he going to um, call for serious change and serious conversations when um, he benefits from a decision like that? Absolutely not. Because just a month ago, I think it was, Arteta was, was saying that referees make mistakes. And I think that that was in relation to a call that went for Arsenal. So mm. my, my problem with this is that you aren't going to do that when you haven't lost the game or when, when a decision like that hasn't cost you. Yeah. Um, and I just think that that's the crux of the situation is that it's after a defeat, he's feeling emotional, and then he makes comments like that. I just think that it's, it's, it's bad sportsmanship it's uh, it, it's really poor from Arteta and really poor from Arsenal to actually then release an official statement, very similarly uh, to the way Liverpool did it after that that disallowed goal. Um, I have a major problem with VAR. I think that it's categorically made football worse and yep. uh, less enjoyable. So yep. I'm not pro VAR, but I'm also not pro Arteta making comments like that after a defeat. Do that after a, a win or do that for speak up for an opposition. Um, or for, for your opponents when that uh, call has gone in your favor, then yeah. I might take you seriously. But to, to be doing that after a, a loss, I think it just, it's a bad look. Um, but yeah, yeah, I 100% I, 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 I agree, Kurti. And, and just to um, get your opinion on this, Gary Neville, who was on the commentary for Sky Sports, later labeled the statement dangerous with fellow pundit, pundit Jamie Carragher in agreement. What do you think he means there? Well, I think what he's alluding to there is Arsenal questioning the integrity of the sport, suggesting yeah. that, you know, there are other factors at play here and that they've essentially been cheated. And and that wasn't the case. So I just I just feel strongly about that. I feel like Arteta embarrassed himself. Yeah. Um, but again, on VAR, I think it's absolutely appalling. I think that the way that it's, it, it's worked since uh, being brought in um, hasn't been good enough and they're not delivering on their promise. VAR was introduced to back referees up in, in cases where they've missed something. Um, but now referees are relying on it. And not yeah. only are they relying on it, but they are shown still images and um, very slow motion video, which is incredibly misleading. I yes. think if you're a footballer, if you've played football at any level, you understand that certain challenges will, will look worse than they really are. Sure. Um, and I know we're going to get to the United stuff, but there was a, a very similar situation in the game last night where the referee is called over to a monitor and is shown immediately. He, he arrives at the monitor to a still image of Rashford's yep. foot planted on a, a player's ankle. Ugh. Totally disregarding yep. the context of the challenge, the context Correct. of that, that move. So I, I think it's, it's really poor. I don't think it's improved football at all. Yep. Um, and I just think that, you know, I remember growing up and... and sort of everyone having the understanding that certain calls are going to go for you and certain calls are going to go against you. Yeah. Um, and when they go against you, you, you sort of understand that that same thing is going to happen to every other 
uh, or to all other 19 teams in the Premier League. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone yeah. throughout the course of the season is going to experience um, a bad decision. That is that is football. Um, but now it's sort of inexcusable because these referees are still making bad decisions when they have the privilege of of watching um, replay after replay. You know, at that pitch side monitor. So I think it's run really poorly, and I think that uh, it's it's all very bad. But I still don't agree with the way Arteta handled it. No, uh, fully agree, Cody. Thanks for breaking that down. Uh, moving on swiftly. Uh, let's move on to, I guess, Lionel Messi. The Argentina superstar beat Man City's Erling Haaland and PSG's Kylian Mbappe to the prestigious award after leading his country to the 2022 FIFA World Cup title in Qatar. But according to Sports Kida, Nantes defender Juan Rajam has now claimed that the Ballon d'Or is always rigged in favor of Messi as he disclosed that the 36-year-old should not have won it either in 2021. Kurt, the dirt backfield. Give me your feedback. He can jog on. He can absolutely <laughs> jog on. I think, it's, I think that's totally ridiculous. Um, yeah. Firstly, this is the first time we're hearing of this player. Um, <laughs> I just, I think it's dumb. I think the, it's, it's very clear that the award is voted for by 100 journalists from around the world and the yeah. player with the most votes wins. Um, yeah. And I think that there is this sentiment. I think people are fed up with seeing Messi win it, but I, I don't really understand that. Um, I, I, I think that Messi is the best player we'll see in our lifetime, certainly in my lifetime. Sure. Um, and I don't really understand this this sort of uh, the, the hate that he gets whenever he's standing up on that stage collecting another Ballon d'Or. I think it's it's ridiculous. I, it's 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 strange to me that people want to dislike arguably the best player of all time. I don't really understand that and get where it comes from, but uh, yeah, whatever. I, I think it's total bullshit. Uh, it was a World Cup year. Journalists yeah. who vote still hold the the World Cup, uh, you know, in the highest regard. And uh, it was pretty much a given in December already after he lifted that that trophy in Qatar that he was going to win the Ballon d'Or. So. It's not surprising. It's very harsh on, on Erling Haaland. Definitely mm. very harsh because of the, mm-hmm. the season that he had. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's voted for. So um, that's uh, that's the way that it swung. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Well, I think 2021 was at uh, Lewandowski, who everyone thought might have a, a go. I can't remember if it was him. But there was something yes. that was very, very close. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as a City fan, obviously, Haaland, one would hope. But I fully agree, Cody. Uh World Cup year, Messi being Messi, uh, fully deserved. And fuck off to whoever that player was. Uh, Righty, let's move on to your... um, (laughs) I'm just going to start off. VAR has got out of control. Man United lose again on chaotic night in Copenhagen. Kurt, talk us through what happened. Yeah, some of the worst refereeing you'll ever see. And I I typically don't like to complain about referees. And I know that... That's a thing people say before they start complaining about referees. Um, yeah. But it was really, really bad, Sean. Um, United were 2-0 up in cruise control, dominating the game. And then Rashford was sent off for um, stamping on a, on a player's ankle. But, you know, his eyes are nowhere near where his foot makes contact with the player. He's trying to protect the ball. Um, he's putting his, his body in front of the player who is sort of rushing towards him yeah. and accidentally steps on his ankle. Um, yeah. The play moved on so fast. United actually broke away, had a counter attack, and Hoyland uh, sort of had a shot and goal that you know didn't trouble the goalkeeper. But mm. nobody, I don't think, in the stadium was even calling for that. None of the players were calling for that. That player yeah. might have been hurt, 
Um, sure. But people moved on pretty quickly. And yeah. obviously then the ref is called to the, the monitor, sees a still image of Rashford's foot on the player's ankle. So essentially VAR has made his mind up for him. Um, it, it's almost like VAR is pointing the ref in, in the direction of making that decision. Um, and then yes, Rashford is sent off. Um, Copenhagen score just, I think, a couple minutes later. Um, and then they equalized through a penalty where there was a very harsh handball given against Maguire. Again, referee calls to the monitor, gives the handball, um, gives the penalty. And uh, there was another poor decision in favor of United this time. Uh, another handball in the box. Incredibly harsh. The player's jumping in the air to challenge Maguire from less than a meter, less than fucking... 10 centimeters, Sean, heads the ball into his arm and it's a penalty, which is just uh, totally ridiculous. Ludicrous. Um, but I will say that the, the handball rule in, in Champions League or in UEFA competitions, is it, it's consistent, but it's really, really harsh. Yeah. Um, and that's why those, those decisions were given. But again, you know, it just feels like when it rains, it pours for United because it was probably, and Ten Hag said it himself, the best football they've played all season. Um, wow. Up until the red card, and then, uh, yeah, obviously uh, Copenhagen end up scoring two late goals after United had, had scored that penalty go in front uh, to mm. go in front, and then they 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 lost four three, and that was it. Just want to touch on something there. You said something quite cool. Um, the handball rule is is different in the Champions League or UEFA. How do you think it differs from the Premier League, for example? And isn't that a bit ridiculous that it should be stock standard across FIFA or the world? Well, it pretty much feels like in UEFA competitions, if the ball hits a player's arm, regardless of the situation, regardless of the context, it's a handball. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's been the situation sort of all season. I think it happened against United. Uh, I can't remember if it was against Bayern. I think it was against Bayern, actually, where mm. Ericsson is challenging and from less than... 10 centimeters, um, the ball strikes him on the back of his arm while he's in the air <laughs> and it's a penalty. So they are consistent with it, but it's yeah. it's really, really bad and really harsh. Um, and yeah, it just, it always baffles me that decision makers um, are, are people who've, who've never really played football at the highest level and mm. therefore don't understand the context of the situations. And yeah. it's very confusing when you bring in, you know, is your arm in an uh, is it in a natural position or an unnatural mm. position? What does that even mean? I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, people move differently. It, it, it all feels very ridiculous to me. Um, yeah. But again, I think that none of this happens without VAR. And I, I therefore think that uh, football would be a much better place without it. But unfortunately, I think the powers that be will double down and it's it's just going to get worse. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's horrible. Uh, you mentioned Man United, probably the best football they've played all year. Um, just in terms of the press, what you've seen, what has the reaction been from the United faithful? I think I think everyone understands that there were some really poor refereeing decisions and that without that red card, um, United probably cruised to a, a 4-0, 5-0 win, honestly. Wow. Wow. Um, those, those decisions really did change the game. Um, I think United still should do better against Copenhagen, even with 10 men. Yeah. Um, so, so that was disappointing from that point of view. But um, there's there's no doubting that those those decisions were were costly. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, Arsenal bouncing back from some bad decisions. Two 0 win against Sevilla. Um, City expected victory at home, I would imagine, against young boys. Let's move on to Newcastle. 
their Champions League dream over, Kurti? 2-0 defeat against Dortmund? I don't think it's open. I think Group F is, is still wide open. Dortmund yeah. are on seven points at the top. PSG follow in second with six points. Milan on five and then Newcastle with four. And there's still mm. two games left. So it's incredibly tight. And this was tipped to be the, the group of death. And it's, it's you know, playing out that way. Um, Newcastle, I think, still have Milan at home and then PSG away. Mm. Um, so I still think they have every chance. Um, it might depend on other results going their way. I, I don't think that the current standing is necessarily a, a reflection of, of the quality of the teams because Dortmund are, are top of the log after yeah. four games, having scored only three goals. So they're definitely... Uh, you know, getting away with a few there. Um, so I think Newcastle can still turn this around. I think they could beat Milan at home and I think they can take points off, off PSG in Paris. So um, they're still in with every chance. I also don't see Dortmund winning their two remaining games. Mm. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, it just seems like Dortmund have PSG, uh, have Newcastle's number at this point. Um, but no, I, I still think that they, they have a chance to qualify for the, for the next round. Yeah, and big defeat for Barcelona. Yeah, big defeat. It's so funny. I'm seeing people question Xavi's future. They've lost two games this season. It's crazy. <laughs> We're in November. He's lost two games. And, and uh, I'm, I'm seeing uh, Spanish media go, is Xavi the right man for the job? Come and they, they're getting PK to weigh in on it. And PK is having to defend Xavi. It's totally ridiculous. I mean, it's nuts. Barcelona are playing some good stuff. And uh, Shakhtar, you know, it's not easy going to Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and Shakhtar played a, a low block and they were very difficult to break down and they, they deserved the win, but it's just mm. totally nuts the reaction to that. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a few losses along the way, isn't there, Kurt? Yeah, two losses, Sean, in uh, three months. I mean, that's it's not bad. No, it's not bad. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what you get with coaching or managing one of the yeah. biggest teams in the world. Um, right, let's move on swiftly, Kurti, if I may. Let's stick with uh, Spain and Real Madrid. Have they ended talks with Mbappe? Has Mbappe shot himself in the foot by not taking that billion-dollar deal? What's happening? So I, I don't think that there's a lot of truth to this, but I'll just tell you what's been said. So mm. the reports in Spain suggest that there are three reasons for Real Madrid essentially pulling out of this, this deal. They, for one, believe that his arrival could upset the wage structure at the club. Um, they then believe that it goes against the, the sort of current recruitment strategy of signing younger players. Um, like Mbappe's old, by the way. Um, and then, <laughs> um, and then they, they think that, well, the report says Real Madrid still remember how Mbappe rejected them in 2022. Um, then there is this French publication saying that this news has come out maybe as a leak um, to essentially preserve Real Madrid's, uh, what's, the, what's the word they use? To, to sort of protect their image um, mm -hmm. should Mbappe decide against joining them again. So, it, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much, uh, I don't know if I believe this story. I think that Real Madrid probably just don't want to get dragged into this too too early. It's still November. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. the transfer window opens up in January. And from January, Mbappe will have the ability with, with only six months left on his contract at, at PSG to negotiate with other clubs, to even mm. potentially sign a pre-contract. So I think it's just Real Madrid trying to keep their cards close to their chest. Um, but there's been zero indication of Mbappe going anywhere else but Real Madrid. Um, he's not going to be signing a new deal at PSG. Um, obviously, we've been burnt in the past. We've been misled mm. in the past. So that, you know, who knows what might happen. But mm. right now, there is no indication that he's staying in France. Um, there's no links to any other club in the world like, you know, Manchester City or whoever. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know how much I believe that story. I think that Mbappe will probably still end up joining Real Madrid. But uh, 
Real Madrid are just trying to keep it cool right now, not move too soon. And how's this for a question? If PSG somehow win the Champions League, they would, that would that change Mbappe's mind? Um, yeah, yeah, potentially. I, maybe it could. And the thing is, I think people should remember that Mbappe does have a real affinity towards PSG. Mm. I think he, he grew up a fan. It was the club that he always sort of wanted to play for. He is Parisian, you know, he's, he's from the city. He's mm. representing the biggest club in, the, in his city, the biggest club in his country. Sure. Um, so he does, I think, love the club. Mm. Um, but ultimately, he wants to be competitive. And if PSG aren't winning or consistently competing for the Champions League, then um, it's a project that is no longer going to appeal to him. And he will go where he believes it might be slightly easier um, and his chances will be better. And I, I, I can't think of a better club for him to go to than Real Madrid. Mm. Um, you could argue City, of course, um, but uh, I, I still think he's going to end up at Real Madrid, Sean. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right, to the favorite part of the podcast, uh, our producer Aiden seeks the socials and asks myself and Kurt a question that we are not aware of as of yet. Kurt, Sean, welcome back to Seeking the Socials. I hope you guys are doing well. For those of you who don't know what Seeking the Socials is, it is a segment where I scour social media, finding the most interesting, topical, and controversial opinions relating to football that I've managed to find over the last week. Some weeks I inform the lads of a topic, and the other times I get the gents to pick a topic by choosing a social media platform. So, Sean, in honor of you officially wearing clothes again, <laughs> it's your week to pick the platform. What do we have? Well, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let's go. Let's go with the X. Let's go with X. Nice. So that, that, that's quite ironic because this tweet actually came from our good friend and work colleague, Kurt Buckerfield. Oh, oh can't be Kurt, true. Once upon a time, you, you tweeted that Hazard was as good as any player who kicked a football, but you claimed he didn't always like proving it. I took that and um, I refined it a little bit, made it a bit of a broader question. So my question to you guys is, in your opinion, which player or players out there, past or present, retired or still playing, were destined to become great players or had loads of potential, but they never really lived up to their hype? Ooh, great question. Ooh, I'm trying to think now, Aiden, you've put us on the spot here. Um... Ooh, this is this is a hard one. This is a really hard one. Uh, I mean, there's there's obviously so many, right? I mean, mm, people mm. Op often talked about Balotelli being ridiculously talented. Oh, great having example! Zero application, <laughs> which yeah. is kind of admirable. You know, it's just like you didn't re <laughs> you didn't really care too much about it. Um, yeah, the reason I mentioned Hazard was because everyone who ever trained with him or played with him said that. He wouldn't even tie his laces at, at training. Um, he would walk around the training pitch, didn't think too much of it, but then would be the best player every weekend. Um, and that's someone with just pure natural ability. Um, you can't you can't teach that at all. Um, I'm just trying to think of a, a, a few more examples here. What about Freddie Adu? Freddie, I mean, look, I, yeah. So he was tipped to be a, a, a superstar, but I, I didn't see too much of him, to be honest with you. Yeah, I didn't see too much of him, um, so I can't really, can't really comment on him. I'm trying to think of like, what about Bojan? Yeah. Bojan Kirkic. Yeah. So I mean, he. Uh, by the way, Boyan. Boyan. Let's just get Sorry. it right, okay? Sorry. Boyan. 
But but Boyan was um, was someone who actually talked a lot about anxiety and pressure yes. um, and depression and stuff like that. He's actually spoken at length about those things, and he recently, actually, very recently, just said that um, kids need to understand that Messi and Ronaldo are, are not examples to follow. They are outliers. Yeah. Um, it's not a it's not a realistic. Um, sort of uh, standard you you can't you can't just reach that through hard work they are they are freaks mm. um, and he said that he well he was basically implying that he had a difficult time living up to expectations because at youth level at Barcelona I think that he broke all of Messi's goal records mm. um, so he was tipped to be you know a superstar and actually had a really good start under under Pep Guardiola at mm. Barcelona um, but then faded away pretty quickly and wasn't able to, to sort of live up to those expectations. So, yeah, I think that's a, a very good shot there, Sean. Mm. Boyan. Thank you. Um, uh, Rubinho possibly as well? Yeah. yeah I mean, did yeah. too much, eh? Paid a lot of money from yeah. too many tricks. Yeah, he, but he was a great player, but he just, uh, yeah, he probably also didn't have that sort of discipline. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Neymar. I think Neymar could have been mm. one of the greatest Ooh. players of all time. I just, you know, when it comes to ability, he was as good as anybody. Um, what was what was that defensive midfielder's name for Real Madrid? Was it Guti or or something like uh, that? Guti, yeah, the the Spanish, the he tall was Spanish to, yeah, centre, uh, centre yeah. Man, yeah. I love a player, but also just fell off the wayside. But he was sort of he was he was a good player, but. Because Real Madrid at that time were in a Galactico era, you know, yeah. the, the objective was to sign high-profile players. And Guti yeah. was someone who I think came through the academy. Um, so he was just never sort of thought of as a as a superstar. But when it came to sort of ability, Guti was phenomenal. And yeah. you will still find great compilation videos of his, of his passes. Um, he had incredible vision, an incredible touch, ridiculously good footballer but um, was probably just overlooked during that time because, mm. you know, he was competing with Zidane and then Beckham was brought in and it was mm. all, it was a superstar approach to, mm. to what Real Madrid were doing there. Um, I, I'm sure there's someone we're missing out here though. There has to be someone who, oh, there was Alexandra Pato. Mm. Yeah, yes, yes. If you throw back to those Milan days in about 2007, eight, Pato was the next best thing. He was a mm. young Brazilian striker who was already playing for the Brazilian national team, scoring heaps of goals for what back then was an incredibly strong AC Milan team. Um, but uh, injuries, I think, ultimately sort of cost him a, a great career. But uh, yeah. apparently he's mega wealthy outside of football, so good for him. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Danielson, since, you know, he went to Barcelona and then that was it, right? Danielson? Yeah. Who? The the Brazilian. Did he go to Barcelona? Yeah, he did. Danielson, wasn't he just at Real Betis? No, he went to... Um, I'm almost positive he went to Barcelona. Well, I can't I, I can't say I recall that, but mm. no, he was ridiculous. Well, he went to, oh, sorry, he had an offer from Barcelona. Oh, he went okay. to the wrong club, and I think that's when he just... Obviously, financially, and then fell off the wayside. There was a goalkeeper, actually, he wouldn't have never heard of him when I was at Sheffield Wednesday. There was a guy called Chris Stringer, um, and he was really, really phenomenal. He would have played for England um, and then just literally, yeah, injuries just fell off the wayside, eh? Really? Uh, bizarre, yeah. And it's just like that. It happens just like that. 
It's uh, it's sad. I know a few guys like that. Guys who I went to school with growing up. Guys who, Sean, you might even know when you came through IX's academy. Mm. Um, guys my age who, who all signed PSL deals and yeah. um, it, it just didn't happen for them. I don't know if you remember like Matthew Raul and Michael, do, yes. Michael Kwong, um, yes. Jody yes. Bruce. They're all good mates of mine. Yeah. Um, all signed for, for IX's PSL team. But, yeah, uh, it's 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 there's there's that much. Just look at look at the golfers, right? They're all as good as each other, but it's just it's that much that yeah, margin, separates. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, I think Michael's doing alright. Isn't he in Dubai or something? Isn't he a model or? Yeah, he's. Uh, I think him and his girlfriend have a company together. Jody Bruce, he is still one of my my best friends. I see him all the yeah. time. Injuries, yeah, two bad knee injuries on that AstroTurf at Ajax. Yes, um, and then Matthew Raul. Yeah, I mean, he played for Stellenbosch in the yes. PSL. Um, he played for Santos and then... He's uh, overseas, isn't he? He's Isn't overseas. He He's living yeah, in yeah. England, yeah, with his parents. It's a good guy. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. Aiden, does that answer your question, my friend? It does. It does. Uh, just very quickly, you guys, what do you think of Mason Greenwood in that conversation? Like, up and coming, superstar, United, off, off the field, antics... May oh, have well, up his career. He may have. So I think there's still time for him to rescue it. Let's mm. uh, watch the space, I guess. Perfect. Mm. Well, you guys have answered my question. You've uh, upgraded my football knowledge by naming some <laughs> players that probably didn't exist to my to, to me at least <laughs> 10 minutes ago. So that, thank you for that. Gentlemen, okay. we will see you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and that is how we wrap up this episode of the International News Desk. So whether you have been listening on snl24.com forward slash Sakuraduma, Google Play, Apple, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thank you for tuning in. I've been your host, Sean Robertson, of course. Kurti, appreciate you, my friend. Have a great wedding. Thank you, Shawnee. Thank you very much. Have a lucky weekend. Peace.